creating one successful brand is hard enough. But two? Well, as our guest today, Alex Carlton, discovered, it's just as exciting the second time round. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. I met with Alex on his birthday a few weeks ago, having just received the best gift an entrepreneur could, a fantastic review of his Strike Not Rum. Strike, the distilled zero-proof spirit, was born out of Alex's inherent need to create. Having already had a massive success with his Funkin' Smoothies, Purees, and Drinks mixes, he just couldn't rest on his laurels. This time, he is set to dominate the non-alcoholic beverage market. Or should I say, he's set to strike gold again with Strike. But before I think up even more bad puns, I'll let Alex take the floor. So I am a diehard Londoner. I was born and bred in Westminster. I grew up uh, initially in sort of Major Vale and then moved a little bit further forward to an area called Hampstead, Hampstead Garden Suburb, a little, not quite as sort of glamorous as Hampstead Village, a suburb off. Um, so I, I grew up in sort of northwest London and spent, you know, the best part of, I suppose, up to 17 uh, living with my parents. I'm an only child, so I had kind of a, not, not, not a financially spoilt, we had a nice lifestyle. But all the attention. But I had all the attention, you know, the only, I'm, I'm a typical only child, I think. Um, and had a really happy upbringing, living in the suburbs of Hampstead, you know, lots of beer mixing and lots of sport, running around and just being really social, actually. You know, I had a really good upbringing, lots of fun. I uh, went to a school in the area called Christ College um, with some really good mates of mine who were all super close today and other sort of entrepreneurs doing well in business. Uh, in fact, where we sit now is the office group. And the CEO and founder is uh, my closest mate from Christ College called Ollie Olsen. And, you know, there would be sort of 40 of these buildings around London. So, you know, it was a, it was a government school, comprehensive. But it turned out some guys that did sort of right in the end. I guess they instilled in you a sense of, you know, go out and do it on your own. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we, we weren't academics. We, we didn't really study that hard. But we had a lot of fun. We did a lot of sports. Um, we were really social, and we were always working hard from a young age. You know, I was, had a paper round from sort of age, I think, 12 or 13. But people um, don't even do that anymore, probably. No, but well, people yeah. don't read papers. It's all online, isn't it? <laughs> Although I like a paper still. Um, and, you know, always sort of ambitious, wanting to do things and create and, you know, make some money and just have some fun whilst doing it. Um, so, you know, up to 17, finished school. And Ollie, actually, and myself, who was like I mentioned, the CEO and founder of this company, The Office Group, we sort of looked at each other like, shall we go to Los Angeles? We just finished, I think, our, our GCSEs. And I, it was the era of Baywatch, David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, two sort of... Be sure honest about that. Yeah, two 17-year-old guys, you know, finishing school at 17. And I think, what should we do? Let's, let's go to California. This is a great idea. And was was university at all being thought about? Well, in my mother's head, it was. <laughs> I was going to be a lawyer or a doctor or a city broker. I think I'm not sure. Something sensible. Something sensible. And um, we we bought a, a ticket to Los Angeles. And as luck should have it, Ollie's uh, cousin or second cousin of his father had the 
hottest model agency at the time in Hollywood. I mean, it was the biggest Karyotis. Remember them, Karyotis yeah, and course. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. It was like these proper A-list names, you know, we were 17 year old guys from London. So we've been given jobs for a couple of hundred dollars a week. And so, you know. So they I, hired you to work. Yeah, I both of us, say. not just Ollie, me and Ollie, you know, his mates. And we, we, we took our first little one bedroom apartment on Hollywood Boulevard. I remember 7400 Hollywood Boulevard was the address. And we took a one, one bedroom apartment for $700 a month. And every night we'd rotate. One would have the bed, one would have the living room, sofa. And we did this for six months. Anyway, we worked in the agency and it was a time before, way before email and sort of digital tech. Uh, Xeroxing, photocopying yeah. all the models' books, all these you know, pretty girls. It was fantastic. And there's a, a guy's department. It was called uh, It Models Omar's Men. And driving models to their shoots. So you've got two 17-year-olds, you know, having fun living in Hollywood. And they must have loved you because you, with your British accent. Yes. You know. Yeah, well, I'm... Young, we, I think eager. We loved them. I don't know if they loved us. But, you know, we were certainly blown away. I mean, it was probably the best time of my life, you know, from a 17-year-old perspective. Um, so we sort of spent six months there. And Ollie went off to do other things. He went to Thailand to live in a year for a year. And I sort of fell in love with LA. I, I, got, I got pulled into the industry. You know, I had, uh, I had darker hair than I have my grey hair now and I had a thicker head. And um, I sort of ended up in the fashion world a bit, dipping my toe. The agency pulled me in to do some shoots and some runway stuff. And it was, you know, so again, 17, 18 year old guy, loving it. Um, and it was a period of time, I suppose, between 17 to say 27, I was back and forward to London, so I wasn't solidly in Los Angeles, but it was certainly home. Um, and, I know, guess your mom was like, okay, well, now forget. Yeah, <laughs> forget. Alex, Alex is gone, no lawyer, no, no <laughs> doctor, you know, uh-huh. and it's just scallywag, you know, reprobate. But I was having the best time. Alex, and you had jobs. Great people, and I had yeah. a job, I was independent, financially independent, looking after myself. And in those years, I, I did various things, all, I must say, very unsuccessfully in in Hollywood, you know, I tried writing, I tried acting, I tried producing, I worked for directors. I mean, I worked for a great guy called Klaus Luca, who at the time was uh, one of the biggest Hollywood TV car commercials directors. He was the Spielberg of car commercials. And this, as an American, you know, TV car yeah. commercials are the, the biggest category in the States. So I, I was his first AD and we got on really well. He taught me a lot. And so we you had know, some fun. And, you know, got, I found my way. What... I did do on a daily basis to the office was buy a smoothie called Odwalla. And Odwalla is a, a, just a brand of smoothie back in the 90s, you know, in California. Um, a bit like a naked juice or an innocent. Mm-hmm. And I loved the smoothie every morning, you know, a couple of dollars on the way to work. Anyway, so part, part of the smoothie, you know, a few years later, I can't, there's a relevance to the smoothie. You know, oh, sure. About, when I was about 20... Five. I'm just getting my years right. 24, 25. Sadly, my lung, my father got ill. Mm-hmm. He was a young guy. He was 52. He, uh, he sadly got stomach cancer. Um, so I, you know, my world was upside down. Straight on a flight back that night to London. Um, he had a big sort of operation. And, you know, I've never seen him in that state before. And fast forward a year, he sadly passed away. So I lost my father when I was probably 23, 24. And, you know, I had my mother, you know, a young lady, she was a young mum, you know, you know, she was in her early 40s mm-hmm. at the time. And my world was upside down, no siblings, and, you know, I didn't know yeah. what I was going to do. 
So I jumped back on a plane to California for a year and it just didn't feel right. I was empty. I loved LA. I loved California. It was like, it was at home for the best part of six, seven, eight years. And, you know, but now my father's gone. I was working with this guy, Klaus Luca, getting my smoothies every day. And I'm thinking, I've got to, got to get back to London. Mm-hmm. So fast forward back to London. This is all part of the back and forward, back and forward. Got a job in a recruitment agency, which was... Did you think you were uh, going to pursue film since you had all that experience? Well, I did. I, actually, I had... Funny, if you get my mind, my memory working again. So, yeah, I, I had some really cool sort of skateboard guys I'd met out there, high, you know, endurance sports athletes type of people, you know, which I was trying to represent here. I thought, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing, but... Yeah, I spoke mm-hmm. to Extreme Channel, had all their show reels. I was trying to hustle a bit, but it was going nowhere. Right. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Anyway, after a period of time, I had to get a proper job and make some income. So I worked in a recruitment consultancy and absolutely hated it. It was at a time of Y2K when the computers yeah. were all going to crash. And I was selling, you know, trying to move corporate type people in the city that manages the, the bank's computers before Y2K. You know, I, was like, I can't do this. It's amazing you lasted life. even two seconds, I considering lasted. you were coming from... Yeah, a completely different world, you know, mixing like, with the sort of personalities that you just do when you're in Hollywood and the party. And the weather and the, weather and the outside, everything. and now Correct. you're inside. I suppose there was a, a draw and a pull, because this is where my dad was and he passed away. I've never given it much thought, but just chatting to you, that's probably part of the reason needed to be in London. But it was dreadful, very depressing time. And I always kind of enjoyed this smoothie I was drinking, this Odwalla smoothie. Did you find what the same kind of thing here? No, uh-huh. I did one thing better. I thought, I'm going to start my own smoothie company. So I started Funkin' Smoothies. And I was working at this recruitment company, I just handed in my notice. Somebody I knew gave me a small cash loan, took part of the business, and I created Funkin'. And Funkin' was born as a smoothie company. So I, I was selling... Uh, smoothies that was made really fresh do you remember the you know the first smoothie you made or the flavor and oh i can tell you i had orange lemon and lime so a citrus based one strawberry banana and apple which is kind of a standard one um i had a a tropical one with mangoes and pineapples um and there was an orange plain orange and ginger and carrot yeah i'd like six but so did you make them at home i made them in a facility i had a little warehouse all right this guy that funded me had a spare warehouse with a second-hand juice machine. Would have the fruit delivered from the, the, the Nine Elms Covent Garden fruit market. Okay. This is back in 99 now. And we're, I was making, honestly, the best quality smoothies. They had like a two, three-day shelf life. They weren't pasteurized. They're like you would do at home. And where would you sell them? Right, so I had, a, I had the, one of the first smart cars in London. You know, the little compact smart cars yeah, back course. in 99. Left-hand drive. They didn't do them right-hand drive. Loaded up Funkin' Juice. I made myself a Funkin' Juice um, uniform, Carhartt trousers, Carhartt shirt with the logos on. And I was, like a, I was like a milkman. I would go around Soho in the mornings. I had a little fridge built. Imagine building a fridge into the back of a smart car. I mean, I, there's photos from Vogue magazine, did a whole PR thing. I can't find these pictures. I'm sure if you look back in 1999 and 2000, put Funkin' Juices, you'd find it. But I, I, I can't. Anyway, images, we're yeah. in there with this little fridge in the back. And a lot of my friends at the time, London girls, were working at Condé Nast at Vogue, hence getting some PR. And I'd pull up, phone one of the girls. I'm outside, and they'd all come down at 11 o'clock, and they'd all buy for two or three quid a couple of smoothies every day. 
And I'd do the same all around Soho to all the production companies in and out of the offices. And it was like a milk round, but it was a juice round. Anyway, did this for the summer, two or three months. I was like, this is going to kill me. I mean, it's exhausting, right? I was probably made myself, I can't remember, a couple of hundred quid a week at the time. But, you know, but this is not going to be a business. There was a couple of chains in Soho, like Cafe Med, Marco Pierre White's Titanic restaurant. These are the old chain, you know, big restaurants and restaurant bars looking for freshly squeezed juices. It was a, now it's a commodity, then it was a luxury. So I said, guys, I can give you three liters of orange juice, lemon juice, lime juice, apple juice, whatever you need for your cocktails, pink grapefruit. So they started ordering. So I had a guy working for me. I said, forget this smoothie thing. We're going to get three liter bottles, load it with juices and deliver it around to businesses. To businesses. So I'm straight B2B. Right. Pretty quickly that flourished. And we were the, the juice guy of London, you know, the restaurants and bars. And, you know, built quite a strong name in the industry. And then I sort of built out to some distributors who would actually deliver it for me. And then there was, purees were hitting the market in these cocktails. So I had to develop a puree quickly because I was losing juice business to companies that were supplying juices and purees. So I'm like, damn, I've done all this work. I'm not giving up now. I'm not going back to recruitment. Might go back to LA, but not recruitment. So anyway, I, I quickly pivoted and packaged these beautiful purees in this space pack which still exists in the market Funkin' Purees and pretty quickly became the brand leader in Funkin' Purees from three flavours strawberry, raspberry and peach for Bellinis and so on to 31 flavours across 40 countries now you know I'm fast forwarding and then developed the cocktail mixers we opened up retail syrups so it's I mean, I've taken a big leap here. That, that, that made me wine. So, you know, developed the puree, seeded that into the market. And pretty quickly, they were selling through really, really quickly. I'm like, this is an interesting part of the business. And then I, I realised, you know, I'm doing well at this. But, you know, I've never worked in the drink space before. I've never worked behind a bar. And I've got this brand. I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing good. I've got Mitchells and Butler as a national account customer. I've got Roots and Market sorted out with some distributors. But do I really know what I'm doing? So I then in, recruited a guy called Andrew King, who as my CEO of the company, and that sort of changed the business very quickly. Is that you know I was sitting next to we worked together for many years, and you know I'm deeply indebted to him for the success that we've created together. And you know fast forward from sort of he joined the business sort of 2004 to five, we we built a brand together from 2045 to 15 where we then exited to AG Bar, who purchased the business, which is um, well documented. And uh, sort of the rest is history. That was the the funkin' chapter of my life. So you've really seen this whole cocktail culture grow, obviously from Marco Pierre White ordering juices for his restaurant to, you know, this, this rise in creating and using fresh products in the bar scene in London. Absolutely. So the, the, the fresh product thing is interesting one because you're always battling and that in, in my previous life at Funkin, you know, fresh versus puree, you know, there are clearly benefits to fresh, but there are... Sorry, some... when I meant fresh, I meant puree. You, you oh, know, yeah, using purees, purees yeah, yeah. and working with... Absolutely. I meant fresh we, fruits oh, we see, yeah. to create purees Absolutely. and sorry. Absolutely. No, no, my, no. My we, we, we've driven the, the cocktail uh-huh. culture. There's no question. We were mm-hmm. massively pivotal yeah. in that. And, you know, I've got to thank the mixologists that really I mean they don't like to be called mixologists anymore but terms change but 
the, the ambassadors and advocacy that we sort of secured and built with these guys. They were and educated, and really. Educated, and they really got behind funk in them. Even the ones that were still, you know, about the artisan of the boutique and the natural and starting from scratch, they got behind funk. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, they sort of recognised and saw the quality and the convenience and saw that you know, we were there to help and support and drive, drive their cocktail trends, you know. Mm-hmm. And it does take time for people to come around and see the new trends break. And it's, it's a bit like we'll probably talk about later on the non-alcoholic spirit. You know, it's another... Mm-hmm. Same moment again, where we're seeing trends change and people market adopting and adapting to the latest sort of flavors and techniques and uh, new development, new categories developing. You anyway, have to, you have to. Of course, you have to evolve you know, and pioneer exactly. and press on and keep moving forward. Um, so when you sold the company yes. just recently, mm-hmm. um, four years, four, four years, years recently, gosh, I yes. know, 2015 seems like yesterday. Uh, you didn't really have to do anything again. You know, you yes. could have just sat back and... Yeah, it's a really interesting... You know, point. move back to LA. Yeah, yeah I did. I did all oh, that. Oh, you did? Yes, I'm back. You know, our friends think we're completely mad. So I'm married with two kids, lovely kids, right? So my beautiful wife, Amy, and my son, Remy, and daughter, Sydney. You know, they've, they've got a crazy father. Properly mad. <laughs> <laughs> we... We... I exited the business in February 2015... And by October that year, we had bought a house in Los Angeles. We had gutted it, knocked it down and rebuilt it. And we moved with, eight, with my wife and my kids into the house in October. So six months Was later. Was this a surprise to her? All, and, and to me, all of us. All of you. Put Sydney and Remy into local schools and spent seven, eight months decompressing. Spent a further six, seven months traveling, enjoying life and just not stressing about supply chain and quality of ingredients and business generally, and then got really quite bored and sure. unfulfilled. Because you'd really hungry. been doing something Rafting. since you were 17. Always, always working right. really hard. hard d- drilling up a road is hard work, mm. being a road ticket right building construction so i'm not working hard i was physical when i started funking it was in and out buildings cars squeezing and driving but, just trying to create but, something but trying to fun. create something i always believed in brands i love brands which is why i created funkin you know i love the power of a brand and people people buy into brands not financially emotionally there's something about a brand you connect with whether it's not well, you can create a story a with story, a brand you know so it's trust mm-hmm. so after a up to a couple of years, you know, enjoying life. Got itchy feet. We moved back to London and put the kids back into their London schools. And it was a time where, obviously, you know, you're not working. I'm Generation X. I'm 46 today. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I looked at my life, and I, I still am. Of, you know... I'm not going to say I'm excessively mad, but I've had some good times. And You're driven. I'm driven. I keep fit. I eat well. I like to drink. Mm-hmm. I like to enjoy. I like to have a party. Like everybody I know, it's a, it's a, it's a social thing. It's a, it's a generational thing. But with the news and media and everyone telling you one drink a day is bad for you and, you know, it's getting a little negative out there. I, you know, start looking at your own habits and, you know, Amy and I on a Monday night would open, you know, maybe have a few drinks on the weekend because it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then Monday, 
let's have a couple of clean days, but we open a bottle of wine at dinner, we finish it maybe a second one, and that becomes a normal Tuesday, Wednesday. And so you start looking, you're like, I'm gonna cut this back a bit. It just doesn't, even though you feel fine and you're running through life and you're functioning and you're managing, everything's working. And I suppose you just you need to look, become inward looking a little bit and how you feel and your focus. So throughout the time I was thinking a bit about this and I recognised that I need to just look at my drinking habits. Not quit them, just look at them, reevaluate how much. But there's nothing out there. So I'm moving into the next phase of my life and my professional career without knowing it, I suppose, but sort of subtly knowing it. Anyway, I'm in a garden in, I live in Kensalwise, sort of back of Queen's Park. And a friend of mine, a guy called Jack Horner, he uh, lives around the corner. We were sitting in his garden and you know, he's, he had a brilliant music marketing agency called Foot. Worked with a lot of the drink and spirit companies, uh, activating them in events, festivals, and gen- general marketing and creative. He, he'd been sort of excessively working with DJs and the beef, the lifestyle as I had, and you know, had some minor health issues for a 40 something year old guy. I was sitting in his garden. We were just chewing the card and, you know, having, I think there was some, one of the non alcoholic spirits on the market just didn't deliver. We were trying, we, you know, we like to drink. Let's not open, let's not have a vodka tonic, let's not have a beer. Anyway, we're like, this is just nonsense. I mean, we can do this and a lot better. I mean, you know, from what we were drinking. And so I thought, okay, let's do this. So, with myself, Jack, and my original business partner, was the birth of Strike. And that was a couple of years ago, the sort of creation, the idea, the concept, and worked tirelessly for the last two years, pulling this business together. I mean, I, it's, it's been a labor of love. And there's been twists and turns and headaches and frustration. And I can actually only... Delight, I'm delighted to report today now that today has been one of the most pivotal days since the journey started in that we have some new product in the market. We have a, a strike not well, which is just getting rave reviews by bloggers online. It's just got into the market. One, one blogger uh, mentioned it tastes better than a real mojito, uh, not one. So, I mean, it's, today is just, I feel like I'm winning. <laughs> well, all right. So you're in this this garden with your friend, and you say, "All right, I want to make a. We need we need something to drink that's non alcoholic. Mm. Where do you even start? How do you know what flavors you want to start with?" So the journey you know. was really okay. The journey was yeah. really interesting, and lots of learnings on the way. My an hour my uh, our initial brief, um, which I funnily enough looked at only a couple of days ago, knowing we were going to be speaking. You did your homework. Did a little bit of homework. My, yeah. my, my sort of memory doesn't serve me so well now that I'm old. Um, I looked at them. I had two, two non-alcoholic spirits I wanted to launch. One light, sort of to play in that vodka gin space, and one dark, sort of mezcal, whiskey, ones, dark ones. And the first recipe I put together, no rhyme or reason, just finger to the wind, 
I, 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 I put some brie for myself and orange, lemon, lime, <laughs> orange, lemon, lime, and I think some chili. And then the other product, which obviously didn't happen, by the way. So, it sounds like your smoothie, by the way. Yeah, it sounds like a smoothie, yeah. But I think I was playing on all the vodkas that had all the citrus vodkas, you know, the blood, right. blood yeah. orange, you know, the blood orange vodkas and grapefruit vodkas, trying to hit that sort of mm-hmm. fruity, clean, citrusy kind of non-alcoholic distilled spirit. And then the other one was to have more sort of peppery, tannin, chocolatey notes, darker, spicier, bergamot tea, pepper, mm-hmm. cardamom. Anyway, I, I pulled some of these recipes together and they just didn't taste great as you may expect. Anyway, part of the journey, always iterating and evolving before we launch, I was working with Tom Sodden, top mixologist and now good friend um, and massively respected guy in the industry. I mean, I don't know anyone as dedicated and as professional as he is. I'm sure there are people, but I know Tom and I just am blown away by his professionalism and his deep knowledge of flavours and scents just, Did you just know about him through the grapevine? No, actually. Uh, uh, another good friend of mine um, who runs a, a gin brand called Half Hitch, a guy called Mark Holdsworth, introduced me. And Tom and I got on well straight away, and he was a really guiding light in this process. So He certainly that, does know flavors. So to have a top, top guy like Tom mm-hmm. help guide your decisions and pointers makes a big difference. Fast forward. So you know me, I like to fast forward and go back and fast forward. We now have um, three strike variants in the market. And anyone is going to talk about their product as being the best. We came to the market with three okay products, to be brutally honest. We've iterated and we now have three Phenomenal. I mean, as I said to you earlier about this review today, it's just got into the market, but not rum. So we have three products, not vodka, not gin, and not rum. And we deliberately named them, and this is Jack's genius, actually. You know, I, I, had, some, I had some ideas of talking about hashtag millennial, hashtag 001, hashtag 002, and, you know, which could have looked cool and been quite interesting. People would remember, but doesn't mean anything, but then it would have also given you a bit of carte blanche to whatever the flavours they are, you just talk about the flavours and the, the distillates and the botanicals. But Jack said, no, let's call this not rum, not vodka, not gin. Really owning each category, unlike any other non-alcoholic spirit on the market who are all playing this sort of gin, weird white space. They're not saying they're gins, but they're, they're just botanical. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with them, by the way. I'm just that you couldn't pinpoint, they're not category specific. Right. We're category specific. We are saying, if you like a gin, but you're not drinking tonight for whatever reason, or this week or this year, strike not gin. So whatever your... you would use gin with, use not gin with. So one of the things we do, which is nice, leave them nice into it, is menu. So when we're talking to accounts, if you take a cocktail list, there's typically 10 or 12 cocktails on that list. Mm-hmm. And a mix of vodka, rum, gin, tequila, mezcal, whiskey. We're saying to accounts, and they're doing this, and I'm very grateful and thankful to accounts like Caravan, which you may or may not know, and Put Shack and Bounce and Absurd Bird. There's some fabulous London chain accounts that are using Stripe. They, they put no and low on their menu, but they can also, on their main cocktail list, put a star with our S, 
next to any of the main cocktails that have vodka, rum or gin. And then at the bottom, in the same way you put V for vegetarian on a food menu, put the S, strike any of these cocktails, and then our trademark, all the spirit, none of the alcohol. So a consumer immediately knows they're coming to a bar and they feel peer pressure to drink or they want to have a sophisticated drink. They don't want to drink a carbonated juice or you know, a carbonated drink or a juice. They can now have a cocktail, feel part of the moment, enjoy the ritual, be part of the party, not stand out and look antisocial. And it's a simple order. So when the waitress or waiter comes over at the bar, I'll have a uh, gin and tonic with strike or whichever the cocktails on that list are, but strike out. Now, back up a little. Sure. Now, why strike? Where did that come from? I know where the not gin, not rum, not yeah. vodka so, came from. So, as I was saying, Jack and I were in, the, in his garden were chatting about brand names, and I love a brand name. I'm really, uh, I, I love simple, one word, minimal syllables, memorable names. Jack was working on a, in his previous life, on a um, spirit company, but working with lots of spirit companies. And... One of them, I remember him telling me, was trying to do a campaign or a, category, a campaign where you were taking something out. I don't know what it was about. I can't remember now. But he can tell you in another. Maybe I'll interview him one day. And he was trying to come up with these words to zero something, zilch it, take it, strike it, do this. So he's telling me all these words. We're sitting there chatting. I'm like, strike it. I like strike, Jack. And obviously, you're not going to get strike as a word, as a, you know, as a verb or a, which is why it's so brilliant, because it's a verb. You know, you can verb strike. Um, so I, I just thought the double play, I came up with this double Y. I thought it looks so millennial, it looks modern, it's memorable. And so it was simply born. Andrew, my other business, our business partner, the third founder, Jack and myself, we love strike and love the double Y. And to my, I shouldn't say disbelief, but to my surprise, the URLs were available, the domains were available. Uh, which are the URLs, the uh, trademark was available. So I trademarked it and we now have Strike globally trademarked, you know, and all this. lucky, yeah. Yeah, it's quite unusual today yeah. to be able to come up with a brand which is, you know, five or six letters and right. sort of own all the domains and the trademarks. So we're delighted with that and people know the brand now. So, you know, we're only out since October, launched last October, and the response has just been overwhelming. When I speak to certain operators and owners, I was going a bit like nervous, you know, is everything okay with strike? And there's one example I was thinking of recently and the owner of a a six chain, you know, luxury restaurant bar group said to me, Alex, I'm actually surprised to tell you it's doing really well, which just shows you where the market's heading. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It just shows you the, the, the market's screaming for quality, sophisticated Adult served drinks without the ABV. You know, the, 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 the term mocktail and virgin cocktail has become almost quite dirty. A lot of people don't want to, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen articles of people want these words scrapped and removed and taken out of the, the vernacular from the, the drink world, which I, I, I get. But what's great is that we sit firmly on the menu, on the main cocktail list, so you can strike out any of those, and we sit in the no and the low sector and it's building and growing fast we're getting you know we're securing more sort of landscape on each menu more real estate you know absurd bird as an account i mentioned to you earlier they've got i think 10 prohibition strike cocktails in their menu it's quite bizarre you know they've still got all the beers wine spirits cocktails and then 10 right in the middle of the menu just 
shows you the pace things are moving at in this world. Do you have the audacity to say you've struck gold? Uh, uh, um, I, I don't know about struck gold. Sh- struck a headache. <laughs> well, struck, struck a future. Struck a future. You, you... Do you know, I, we, we've been through so much back in turmoil, you wouldn't believe. But we're there now. We have, I'm, I've never been more optimistic, confident and delighted. I'm proud of the liquids we have in the market. That, you know, like I said earlier, the first iterations were okay, they were good, but they didn't taste anything like the namesake alcohol. Our new not rum, vodka and gins are the closest thing you can get to the actual ABV version. Will they improve over time? Absolutely. Techniques will change. You know, we're going to keep pioneering and pushing forward. We're not going to rest on our laurels. We only launched in October. We've iterated. We're only in spring, you know, six, seven months later. And we're going to continue to push and get as close as we can to owning that space, being the choice of non-alcoholic spirit. If you're drinking a gin and tonic, if you're a gin and tonic drinker, but tonight you're not drinking, you're going to have a strike and tonic. If you're a rum and coke drinker, the same thing. So, so, should we go try some now? Sure. Let's go and have a drink. What shall I shake you up? Or let me build you a, uh, a how about the new strike, not rum and ginger ale? I can't wait. Happy birthday again to Alex, and thanks for sharing your strike with me. If you close your eyes, this cocktail of the week tastes just like the alcoholic version, smooth and creamy. You'll be amazed. Now it's time for that cocktail of the week. Our cocktail of the week is the eternal classic, the Strike Espresso Martini. Add the following into a shaker. 50 mLs or 2 ounces of Strike Not Rum, 50 mLs or 2 ounces of Fitch Cold Brew Concentrate, and 15 mLs or half an ounce of sugar syrup. Shake it all up and double strain into a coupe glass. Then garnish with coffee beans. As Alex said, all of the spirit, but none of the alcohol. You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Next time, we meet the granddaughter of one of the founders of the Antigua Distillery. Yes, that's Antigua in the Caribbean. And of course, they make rum. And lots of it. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast. For more information and links to everything you've heard, plus a whole lot more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation, and always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. Theme music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your drinking partner, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar.